Hello friends, my name is Sydney and welcome to the first ever episode of the CCW Evolve podcast. Each month, we'll be breaking down a new category of prayer and speaking with young adults about their personal relationship with prayer. This week, we'll hear from Reverend Haley Eccles about the Collect Prayer Forum. And for a little bit of reference, this message originally aired on January 30th in our first live stream of the spring semester. So without further ado, here is Reverend Haley Eccles. So as we continue in this Evolve, we come to the moment where we're going to talk about the spiritual discipline. The, the spiritual discipline that we hope gives us something practical to hold on to and sustain us as we journey together in this spiritual life. Um, I first have to acknowledge that I wonder if that is a priority for us right now. Um, there is so much going on in our physical worlds and the fact that we can't be together because we are continuing to find ways to meet safely um, and acknowledging that there is a virus that's keeping us apart. Um, and because there is so much uncertainty and difficulty going on in our physical worlds, I wonder how much we are thinking about our spiritual needs and our spiritual growth. Um, is it taking the back burner or is it something that you're relying on um, to help sustain you through some of the uncertainty of just the difficulty of physical life right now. I'm just curious where y'all are at. If it's hard um, or if it's been easy to lean on because life has been hard. Um, tonight we're gonna talk a little bit about prayer Last semester, we talked about collective prayers. And what I love, love, love about collective um, prayers and um, written prayers are that they provide us ways to kind of expand what it is that we might ask of, of God, what it is that, um, that might be in our view of, of the needs of the world and gives us language for things that maybe we didn't know we needed language for. If my prayers to God often are about me or people around me, collective prayers can point me to communities that I don't maybe think of right away. And that can be very helpful. And yet, um, we need both. We need that way to um, connect with what our souls, our hearts uh, need from God and where we need to grow. So I want you to answer a question. When I say prayer, and specifically I'm thinking of like individual prayer, what do you think of? How do you tend to pray? Does it look the same for you? Do you write out your prayers? Is prayer something silent you do in your head? Do you use words at all? Um, 
Is it more effective if you are moving while you pray? Do you like to walk or be out in nature to pray? Um, how do you know that it's prayer and not just talking to yourself? Um, where does God show up for you in prayer? There are so many aspects of prayer, and I'll be honest, we're not going to get into hardly any of these questions. But I wonder if there have been moments for you, because I know that there have been moments for me like this, where you sit down and there is a lot going on in your head, in your heart, um, or maybe even a numbness that you're feeling. And so when you try to pray, the words just aren't coming. Or it just doesn't feel adequate. It feels more like a word soup or a swirling um, than it feels like a direct ask. I can even think of times where I've been praying to God where I might have exasperatedly said, like, I don't even know what I'm asking. I am just, like, word vomiting <laughs> um, and trying to be in communication, but have no clue if it's even communication with God. Um, and so I think we do need to acknowledge that prayer in and of itself can be very difficult. Um, saying words, I don't think is difficult, but feeling that presence of God and feeling like those words matter can be difficult. Now, when you were younger and you were learning how to write or you were in English class, a lot of times um, you would have very specific forms you would follow to help you learn how to put your thoughts and words on paper. Uh, for example, you might have been in a poetry class and you learned the form of a haiku and how many syllables each line was and were invited to write within that form. You could use those syllables to write something silly or you could use them to acknowledge something beautiful. Um, in fact, some haiku writers can even make them tragic or mysterious in just very short form. But the form provided you some space to put some words on paper. Or maybe like you learned how to write an essay and you learned that you need a topic sentence and you need three supporting sentences and a closing sentence. And having that form gave you some sort of structure to be able to create um, your piece, your writing piece, to be able to answer a question um, in a way that was helpful. There are forms for prayer these structures that might give us some space where they don't give us the words to say, but they give us some space to fill in um, to help get us started. And so we're gonna talk about one of those forms tonight and it's called the collect. I wanna get into what the form actually looks like, but before I do, I think it's important that we talk about why this form might be helpful and what we get out of that. And for us to do that, I think we need to go to our scripture. So I um, chose this scripture from Luke 11. And I, I think it, if you 
grown up in a church setting, some of it was familiar because some of it was Jesus teaching the disciples um, what we call the Lord's Prayer. And oftentimes um, in church settings I've been a part of, this prayer might be something we recite every single week on Sunday or maybe we recite it after communion. Um, And it's a prayer that over the course of my life um, in church, I've ended up committing to memory just because I've said it so many times. But I didn't stop our scripture reading right after the Lord's Prayer because there's a context to this prayer that I think is important. Jesus specifically is talking about who we are praying to and the nature of this being that allows us to pray um, boldly, vulnerably, and openly. He says this, he says, is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, would give them a snake instead of a fish? Or if your child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, pause on that, but uh, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? There is something about the way that Jesus structures his prayer using this term of Father, not because God is some all-powerful Um, authoritative man, um, although you may have heard it said that way, Um, but because a father might be someone who is relational and someone that uh, the people Jesus is speaking to can relate to, um, that tells us something about how we can pray, how we ask for things, and why we can trust that we are allowed to do that. Our form tonight, the collect, really grounds our prayers in the who and the um, the why that person is the way that they are for us to be able to ask um, and pray to God. Um, so think about, um, and I heard this example on a podcast and it's a little bit cheesy, but I do think the simplicity of it is helpful. Think about um, when you were a teenager and um, just learning how to drive and you might ask your parents for the keys to the car so that you could go somewhere. I don't know about you particularly, but I think you could imagine a situation where in order to ask for that thing, you may want to, the best way I can put it is buttering up, butter up your parent a little bit to allow um, them to let you to drive. So for example, um, hey mom, um, 
I know you're someone who really, really cares about my schoolwork and you've been really encouraging me to do more work. And so I was wondering if I could borrow the car so that I could um, go to the library and work on my homework. Um, and you see how the way you're asking provides some sort of context into who the person is and what they care about you for. Now, take that and apply it to God. Not so much because we butter God up, <laughs> um, but because we know that God wants to answer our prayers because of who we have experienced or know God to be. If we are going to ask God for, for guidance, for help, um, for healing, for um, strength, whatever we need to ask God for, we're asking God for because we feel like we can trust God as someone who loves us and who has created us to be whole or who wants to guide us or grow us or who has done that in the past in our lives. And so the colic form provides us um, a way in which we can name God, we can name an attribute of God so that we know that our petition is not just some petition that is out in the void, but it actually um, is going to the right person and it has merit to go there. So let's talk about the form of the collect. There's five parts to it and it can be long or short. Um, it just depends on how you express yourself in these five parts. The first part is to actually name God. Um, that can be in something you've heard in church. So in Jesus' example, it could be a father. Um, in another example, it could be, you know, almighty God, gracious God, merciful God, um, patient God. These might be things you've heard in a church service. Um, or you might have another name you use um, in the song Waymaker, we have a lot of different names for gods. Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness, all of these are names for God. Um, and so naming God can be personal, um, just like maybe in a relationship, you um, sometimes use uh, your partner's name, um, or sometimes you use something more affectionate, um, like sweetheart or darling or sugar, or whatever you would use. Um, the same thing can go for God. You can use a name for God, or you can use um, an attribute or some sort of affectionate name for God. Um, the second part um, of the prayer is an attribute. Oftentimes it kind of comes out of this name. So for example, if you use the word Waymaker, um, you might say um, Waymaker, the one who created um, a way for Israel to cross the Red Sea, which is where that name comes from. Or you might say um, Almighty God, the one who's created the entire universe. Um, you might use a patient God, the one who listens to me even when I don't know what to say. 
whatever that attribute is, it's something about God that you've experienced and that helps you connect uh, deeply to who God is. And it can be something you find in scripture or it can be something from your own experience. The third part of the prayer is usually the part that can come easy. Um, it's the part where you name what it is you need or you want. That can be for you or that can be on behalf of another person. Um, you can be asking for God to guide you, to strengthen you, um, to show you something, um, to help you feel God's presence, to help you learn something or or to give you wisdom about something. The, the possibilities are really endless, but this is where what's on your heart really comes through. It could be the part of the prayer that comes to you first and you fill in the other forms based on this thing that you deeply, deeply um, need from God. The fourth part of the prayer is why you need this. It's kind of like the so what. Um, why should God grant this request? What is going to come out of it? Um, in some ways, this could be a, a way of saying that um, God granting this prayer is going to actually further God's work in some way. So for example, maybe you've been praying about whether or not you're called to ministry and the, the so what of that is so that I can serve you the best I know how with the gifts that you've given me. Um, or maybe it's something just more practical and, and the so what is because it's the way things should be. For example, maybe you're sick and you just need to get better. And the so what of it is that you don't want me to be sick, God. You created me to be whole and well and alive and thriving um, and help me to get back to that. So that's the fourth part. And then the last part is what we call the doxology um, or some sort of attribute of praise we give to God um, that just sandwiches the prayer in who God is and why God is worthy to hear that prayer. Um, so, you know, in church you might hear um, the doxology, uh, praise God from whom all blessings flow, praise God all creatures here below, praise God above ye heavenly hosts, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, right? Um, the way it usually ends a prayer is, you know, um, praise to you through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, um, who rule and reign together, one God forever. Amen. Um, but it could be even more simple than that. Um, it could just be, um, because you are worthy, God, amen. Whatever it is for you, that's just the last part of the prayer. It sandwiches it in the knowledge that you are deeply loved by God, and because God deeply loves you, God listens to our prayers. And while we could have lots of deep conversation about why a prayer might go unanswered or why we're waiting to hear from God about something, um, the prayer grounds us in the fact that God has listened to prayers before and answered them. And so we might be able to pray this one boldly, knowing that God is going to give good gifts to us because God loves us. Let's pray. Listening God, 
who desires relationship with us. Give us the words for us to express the needs of our souls and the desires of our hearts so we might grow in relationship with you, speaking as those who love one another. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, and your Holy Spirit, glory to you. Amen. so much for listening today friends keep an eye out for our next episode in which Haley and i interview one of our dear friends about their personal relationship with prayer <laughs>